0: Sit
1: down if you want to. Right in the middle of what's going on.
0: I'm in the middle of an interrogation.
1: Take a seat, young Skywalker. The middle
2: children of history, man. The middle of the day, Alfred. Please, take a seat, then. Right
0: now, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Stop the middle of the basic. Meaning in the middle. Like, slight.
2: They fought for the freedom of middle.
1: Middle of middle.
0: The middle of middle. The middle of,
2: of, of, of a war. war! It's friggin' ridiculous!
1: Why don't we have a seat and talk it over? No!
2: Now, folks, I know when it comes to the Middle Seats podcast, the best seat in the house for all things movies and entertainment, I say every week you gotta catch them all, but I really, really mean it this time, because this is the best episode of the Middle Seats podcast, the best seat in the house for all things movies and entertainment, as I mentioned before, I'm the Ash Catchem for your ears, Andrew Ogier, let's meet my pokey friends. He's as cuddly as a squirtle, Jigglypuff, and Snorlax combined.
1: Mr. Nate Lungarini. <laughs> How's it going, everybody? Good to be with you. I'm feeling it. I got my Pokedex ready, all my badges polished up. Let's do it.
2: This is Nate's Christmas right here. Just a touch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very much
0: anticipating what
2: Andrew's next line is. He carries all the disappointment and sadness of a kid whose favorite TV show was Digimon, Mr. Jake Hensler. Wow, bravo.
0: I was looking for a Pokemon comparison. I thought you might have to text Nate, what Pokemon should I give Jake? (laughs) You're no Magikarp, Jake.
1: (laughs) Right. I'm a
0: little out of my element there. You know what? Fine. I could take Magikarp because guess what I transform into? (laughs) True.
2: Uh, I said true like I knew. I'm a little out of my element here. Yeah, Andrew could pretty much just sit back and let Nate and I do our thing. It's rare, too, that that happens, too. Yeah. Um, anyway, all of this Pokemon talk is because we were reviewing Detective Pikachu on today's episode of the Middle Seed Podcast. That's our third segment of three. The show typically divided into those three distinct farts. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> you tried.
0: Nate, uh. uh. do not cut that. Just leave it in. That was a train wreck.
2: <laughs> I just, like, I lost control of what I was saying. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We are talking about Pokemon so much because we are reviewing Detective Pikachu on the show today. That'll be segment three of our three-part structure. Our first segment, we talk about Lobby Talk, where we just pick a topic and just kind of ramble about it for 10, 15 minutes. This is one of the more fun segments of the show. Then we get really serious and we get into the big news of the week. A couple of really interesting things happened this week. We're going to deep dive those. And then, like I said, we'll have our Detective Pikachu review. There are time codes in the description below so that you can kind of figure out what part you want to skip to. We hope you join us for all of it, but we understand you're busy people. We we get it. The world moves quick. There's badges to collect. Yes, there's badges to collect. There's Pokemon to catch out in Central Park, right? That's still a thing, right? Yeah. But anyway, let's move into our lobby talk segment.
1: Let's all go to the lobby.
0: you in the lobby?
2: What
1: do you look like? I will blow up the block before you can make the lobby.
2: So, guys, we're in the full swing of summer. The summer 2019 movie season is upon us. Of course, it kicked off of Avengers Endgame. Though that really, like, kind of was a controversial, like, is it a summer movie? Is it a late spring movie? It's a summer movie.
1: Marvel
0: just decided when summer started.
2: Exactly. That's, yeah. a, that's a great <laughs> way they, to find They fun
0: literally movie. changed the seasons.
2: Yeah. It's insane. (laughs) It'll be in theaters longer than a lot of the movies that we're going to talk about here. That's very true. So what we're going to kind of talk about is the best of the rest or the worst of the rest. As we get into our Detective Pikachu review later on, we'll tell you what we think of that movie. But beyond Pikachu and beyond Endgame, we've got a lot of big movies coming out over the next couple of weeks and couple of months. We want to make some bold predictions. We want to sit down and talk about some of those movies and what we think will work, what we think will definitely not work. Hopefully we're expecting a wild summer. Guys, this is my favorite time of year for movies. I know, like, Oscar season has all the great prestige pictures and stuff, but these are, like, these are the heavy hitters. There is a huge release every week from, like, now, as we're recording this the week before John Wick Chapter 3 comes out, till about probably mid-August.
0: I think there's, like, one weekend in July that's a little slow, and yeah. then that, that's it. <laughs> exactly.
2: So, Jake, let's start with you. What is a bold prediction you have for summer 2019?
0: So I actually struggle with this one a little bit. I think I say that every week. I typically struggle with these.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He's trying so hard, ladies and gentlemen. That's nothing new, actually. That's
0: not a bold (laughs) prediction on my part. I I will struggle with Lobby Talk. I was going to say Tarantino's movie will make more money than it usually does and will be more well-liked than they normally are. That's just because there's a lot of buzz. That's not exactly that bold. My bold one, as I was scrubbing through the summer releases again, is I think Men in Black will do well or pretty well, critically, but I don't think there will be enough people who will care to go see it that it'll make a lot of money.
2: Interesting.
0: I think they have a great cast. The cast in it consistently does pretty good movies. They pick good projects. Chris Hemsworth, Tessa Thompson, who's Valkyrie, and Thor Ragnarok, uh, along with Liam Neeson and a bunch of other good people. But I don't think enough audience people will be interested in a Men in Black reboot to go out and see this by
1: the numbers. I'll agree with you here, Jake. I feel like... I've never heard of the Men in Black fans the same way you hear of other franchise fans. Like you got your Marvel go-tos, you got your DC fanboys. Star
0: Wars, obviously. (laughs) Star Wars fans,
1: your Pokemon fans. Men in Black is a franchise that I think has just come up so sporadically over the years. Yeah. And always fluctuates in terms of quality that I don't think there's a long-term fan base for it.
2: Yeah, so you got five years between the first one and the second one. And you have Mm. 10 years in between the second and the third. And now you've got, it's like seven now in between this reboot and the third one. Right. And like the problem too, Nate, to kind of piggyback off of what you were saying is that not only have they been sporadic, but the sequels don't really have a great reputation. Like three is said to be a lot better than two, which which I agree with, Mm -hmm. but none of them match the charms of one. I don't even think I've
0: seen two or three start to finish. I like one a lot. Yeah. But I never cared enough to really sit down and watch two or three. And I feel like that's how a lot of people feel. They go, oh, Men in Black, the first one's great. I love Will Smith. And then there's not a whole lot that most people think about those movies.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: The key to that franchise is the chemistry between the first two leads. And that's why the first movie succeeds as well as it does with Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth have already proven that they have a lot of chemistry.
0: Right, which could prove me wrong. (laughs) <laughs> that right. could be the fact that that proves me wrong. So
2: basically, I kind of was thinking the same lines as you. My thing was going to be, it's going to disappoint, but it's going to be the best Men in Black film. There's a chance that that could happen.
1: Kind of like a Bumblebee scenario that we saw with Transformers franchise yeah. earlier. That's a good way to put it. Like
2: I said, I really like the two of them together. I think there's been enough time where they could come up with some fresh ideas. I've liked the trailer so far.
0: Right. I don't think it looks bad by any means. I just don't think there's enough interest behind it for enough people yeah. to go see it for it to make money. But I think the people who do go see it will be happy or satisfied at least. Well, I mean, we'll see. It comes out in a month. But yeah, that's that's my bold box office prediction. I don't think Men in Black is going to do particularly well money-wise.
1: Nate, what are you thinking? All right. So going off the Detective Pikachu nostalgia fest that seems to be dominating a lot of the summer with all the remakes and rehashes of old franchises here. I have my eyes on Dora... And the Lost City of Gold, the long awaited live action (laughs) adaptation of Dora the Explorer. Long awaited? Starring Michael Pena and Benicio (laughs) del Toro. And Danny Trejo as a monkey. So, the template I'm looking at here is actually a fan favorite, quote unquote, from 2017, the emoji movie. (laughs) I think Uh. that this movie is going to be critically panned. It's going to get horrible reviews, but the meme factor is there where you'll actually have a pretty good box office turnout because people see it ironically. I was wondering
0: that. The minute I saw Michael Pena mimicking a rave, I thought this movie's going to be awful, <laughs> hmm. but it is a kid's movie. Everybody knows what Dory the Explorer is and what she's about, and it might make money especially in, in the late
1: July, what is it? The very last weekend of July, right? So July, it's, August, it'll come out.
2: It's the beginning of August. Second mm-hmm. weekend okay. in August. It
1: isn't dealing with too much competition from the kids department, depending right. on how good Lion King does, which obviously is a which big is ask, be, but there's a couple yeah. of weeks in between. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: well, Lion King's going to make stupid money. But yeah, I actually, I, Nate, I, I think that's a very interesting, but fair prediction. I, I think I'm on the same page with you there. I think it's going to be borderline garbage, if not full on steaming hot pile of garbage.
2: (laughs) But I think it'll make decent money. You know, what's fascinating. My bold prediction was literally the inverse of what you just said. Mm -hmm. I think this is an all time terrible trailer. I am with you guys on this, but I think the actual movie will be a lot less offensive. You know what I mean? You think it'll be like 50s Rotten Tomatoes? Exactly. It'll be 50s, 60s Rotten Tomatoes. It'll be mediocre. That's boring. And because of that, it will bomb. Interesting. It's not going to be in either extreme well enough. It'll settle in this middle section. And I can see it completely going the way you guys are talking about it, too. I just thought, like, when I was thinking through it, I was like, there's no way it's as bad as the trailer we've seen. It's absolutely possible. <laughs> it, it is possible. Ugh, I don't know. Did you really
0: just
1: get me excited for Dora to come out? Right.
0: <laughs> it,
2: it's like, it's fascinating.
1: Um, yeah, it's it's going to be a trip no matter what. I think the biggest tell will be when we finally figure out who this movie is for. We don't really know if it's catered toward the nostalgic generation who just wants to see it, possibly with their own kids at this point. I don't know if the age gap is enough for that yet, or if it's marketed towards kids who are currently watching Dora the cartoon right now. That is why I think it will bomb, because they will never
2: make that clear. Mm -hmm. They will not make that clear, and by the time they do, it will be way too late. Well,
1: Lego <laughs> Movie pulled it off as a good thing that appealed to both generations. Right. So it's always possible. But they had Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. And, and Lego Movie
2: yeah. looked good, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, even in the other extremes, where movies look okay, and then they end up being absolute disasters. And movies that look awful actually end up don't being that bad. The first thing I thought of, because of its Nickelodeon property, is The Last Airbender. The trailers for The Last Airbender are not terrible, but it's because none of the characters talk in those trailers.
0: I remember being excited for the trailers. Right, exactly. And then I I heard the reviews and reactions, and I didn't go to see it.
2: Yeah. So we're going to have to see on Dora. That might make a fun review. We'll have to talk about that when that comes by. Oh, my God.
0: I'm, like, (laughs) mad that this is getting so much talk on the middle seats. There's, like, four episodes we brought up Dora now.
2: It is, yeah. (laughs) I want to talk about, kind of, when I'm going over my bold predictions, I like picking, like, there's nothing more satisfying than, like, seeing the summer slate and picking the runaway hit. You know what I mean? The one that people weren't expecting. Mm -hmm. And I've been trying to pinpoint what that is, and I've boiled it down to two candidates. And I want to see what you guys are thinking, too. The first one that I think could potentially run away and be a big hit that people aren't talking about like a ton yet is Booksmart. It's like the female super bad. And it's directed by Olivia Wilde. It's like getting rave reviews. The early reviews are insane. It has like, I'm pretty sure it's still at 100 on Rotten Tomatoes. An 86 Metascore, which is outstanding. Yeah, it's supposed to be like one of the best comedies of the last couple of years. And it looks really funny in the trailers and stuff too. So I think if that word of mouth kind of carries it along, we could be looking at a huge breakaway hit there. Like they've been trying to build buzz because of that. I can see it being like a bridesmaid situation kind of. And the second option, people love their horror movies. What about Ma? What do you guys think of that? Ma, which of course stars Octavia Spencer as like kind of this crazy woman who kind of takes teenagers under her wing, but there's more to it and it ends up being murderous and gross. The trailers for it are really compelling. Creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Octavia Spencer is a really compelling actress to be in a lead role like this. And I'm getting a lot of Get Out vibes too.
0: I think that's going to be a big word of mouth thing. Like I don't think it'll have a big opening weekend but if reviews are good and general audience members are good, it will have legs and people will go see it.
1: Yeah. I'm kind of hesitant on both of these picks, Drew. And honestly, that's mostly to the rated R nature of both your picks. I just feel like that's already such a limiting factor and they're both very niche movies. So it's definitely possible. But you're also competing with Rocketman, Godzilla, Aladdin the week before. There's definitely competition for these movies. Yeah. But you could
2: also argue that there's counter-programming that's going on there, too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, Ma's audience is probably not the same as Rocketman's audience. And Aladdin and Booksmart have definitely different
1: audiences. For sure. Booksmart and John Wick might cross over a little mm-hmm. bit. If Booksmart was coming out 10 years ago, I might agree with you. Because that's when that whole bad esque genre was really taken off. But we've seen a lot of these teen movies... What is it? Edge of 17 just came out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lady Bird came out. And both of those, not exactly the same premise by any means, but I feel like the genre is the same. And neither of those did particularly well financially.
2: Yeah. Like I said, I won't be shocked if they bomb. But looking around the major obvious choices. But if we're talking smaller stuff, those are the two I'm targeting. So that'll do it for kind of our summer 2019 discussion. Let's pivot into our news segment here. And this just in, a news break special report.
1: I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story.
2: So from a big movie of summer, we transition into a big movie this winter. The world will be changed, folks, because Sonic the Hedgehog will be gracing a big screen for the first time. Let's get into some backstory here because we've got a little bit of it to go through here. The trailer for Sonic the Hedgehog came out a few days before the release of Detective Pikachu. It's obvious why they wanted to do that. They wanted to set up the the video game cinematic universe so Nick Fury could show up at the end of Detective Pikachu.
1: <laughs> Welcome to Smash Bros.
2: <laughs> exactly. So the trailer came out. It has 30 million views on YouTube and 366,000 likes and 653,000 dislikes. That's insane. Yeah, it is quite <laughs> the contrast. And the main reason people have been disliking so much Besides the fact that the movie may or may not look great, people do not like the design of the Sonic character. Now, guys, I mean, Nate can probably put a picture up if you're listening to this on YouTube and show you what Sonic looks like here. But just to describe it, I don't know, like he kind of looks like
1: a pantsless meerkat. I don't. It I don't. looks like a toddler with fully proportional arms in a Sonic suit. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's better. You know when Paul Rudd shrinks in Ant-Man and the Wasp? It's like that kind of proportioning.
1: Oh, man. Like comparing the character Sonic from actual art from the video games to this. It is such a travesty of the character. Why does he have teeth? Why are his (laughs) eyes so small and far apart? How do you expect him to eat, Nate?
2: He has no teeth.
1: Human (laughs) teeth,
2: though. Human. Oh, yes, that's that's true. And people have been doing redesigns of the character that look even better. Like, they mm-hmm. look like the original. So, moving the dots along, director of this movie's name is Jeff Fowler. He's a first-time director. Who is, he's never done a movie before. What a brutal start. He literally hasn't been a part of a movie since 2009's Where the Wild Things Are, when he worked as an animator. He literally has not done anything since then. How did he get this? I don't know, but he got bullied by the internet into changing the design of the character for the final movie. So he has announced that they are going to be changing the look of Sonic in every frame of Sonic the Hedgehog. The movie's current budget is $90 million, so you can expect that to probably at least multiply by one and a half, if not double. Ben Schwartz provides the voice to Sonic. He's joined by live-action versions of James Marsden and Jim Carrey, who's making his first film appearance, I think, since Dumb and Dumber Too, if I'm correct. Wow. It's been a while. He's had
0: some smaller things come out on, like, Netflix and stuff like that. Yeah,
2: no, you're right. You're right. He's been semi-active. The first major appearance, I think, is not too much of a stretch to say. All right, let's just get into this. What do we think about the idea of the redesign? Do we think this is a dangerous precedent being set? Do you think this is something that had to be done? Nate, go ahead.
1: We did it, Reddit. (laughs) 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 Oh, boy. Yeah, this is something else. Like, I am no major fanboy of the Sonic franchise, So I didn't have a lot of uh, stake here in this movie, other than thinking that the design just looks like trash. But it reeks of studio interference where, like, an executive came in and said, we want to sell, like, Halloween costumes of this character. Uh, Can you make him look a little bit more like the kids that we're trying to appeal to, you know? Like, make him look like a kid-friendly Sonic. And it ended up in this horrible design and then no one bothered to push back and say this looks bad and they just went with the movie and i feel like in the trailer you see like just his eyes up he doesn't look too bad it's when he moves and talks that he just looks wrong so in terms of actually changing it i i can't remember the last time we've had a formal introduction to a reshoot of CGI this extreme ever. Sometimes in trailers we see, like, not-quite-finished special effects and people make fun of it for the trailer and then it gets better for the actual movie. This is a whole new ball game. Yeah, because they seem pretty confident in this until the internet decided not to do it. <laughs> oh, boy. I don't suspect this will happen very often. They have to be pretty confident in their product if they think it's even worth putting in all the money to do reshoots for this the box office. That's true. To make its money back, you know? If they sink money into this and it bombs because it's just a bad movie, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, <laughs> It'll be another another X in video game adaptations. A big one.
2: Oh, boy. I, if we're going to go through the marks of all video game adaptations, we'll be here a while. That would make a great, like, a negative Hall of Fame discussion. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, Jake, what do you think? Well, I,
0: I won't tell you what I think. I'll tell you what the people in the Detective Pikachu theater thought Uh, when I went to see Detective Pikachu they played this trailer in front of it and there were a couple of trailers and like normal most people were either murmuring or quiet for most of the trailers and then the Sonic one came on and whoever this kid was next to me could not have been older than 12 probably like 10 the Sonic trailer comes on the music starts playing and he without missing a beat Dead Serious goes oh no (laughs) (laughs) yes like Nate I was trying so hard not to laugh this is hysterical Nobody's excited for this, but I think it's unprecedented that the internet bullied the studio into changing their character. That's crazy. I don't. I really don't think we've ever seen that before, and if we have, not to this extent. It's a little scary, too. The internet is so powerful. It really is. Like, movie, movie studios are, are crumbling to Reddit and Twitter and everything else and YouTube. Oh, man. But yeah, I agree. The, the design just looks like a Sonic doll got, like... Beat up in a factory somewhere, and they just were like, eh, we'll sell it. It'll be fine. And
2: I don't know. Everybody's horrified. Nobody likes it. (laughs) He does Um, look like a taxidermy cat. Yeah. Meow. Yeah. That was the part they played the meow part. And one kid, like two rows, he must have been like eight or nine. Sonic goes, meow. And the kid goes, what? (laughs) Like, this was his first time seeing the trailer. And I was like, yeah. I mean,
0: that's what I did too. Nobody thinks this is a good idea so far. And I think that's a shame because James Marsden is really good in Westworld, personally a big Jim Carrey fan. I think Ben Schwartz, who if anybody doesn't know Ben Schwartz, he's John Ralphie on Parks and Rec. Mm. I think that's a great choice. But man, what's going on over there?
2: Yeah, I don't think I have much more to add than you guys have. The precedent of the internet bullying filmmakers into changing their vision is not a great one. I hope this doesn't happen a lot, but I'm actually okay endorsing it here. I mean, they got to move this back
0: now, right? Like, that poor post production team.
1: Yeah, I. There was a lot of controversy, I think, with Sausage Party. The animators were working a lot of overtime. The studio was not doing a good job supporting them doing it. And there was a lot of flack for that, I recall. If they pull similar stuff here at Paramount with the animators here, there's a good chance we might not see the movie. Like, that would be strike material. That's obviously me anticipating. Five steps ahead here, which may or may not happen. I'm not trying to say that will happen. But no, but you're right; it's possible. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah,
0: and I think for anybody listening, we could be a decent voice on why this is actually so hard. Because I've had some people say, "Yeah, this should be an easy fix." I've seen people edit it on Twitter in in a day. Yes, the design can be changed in a day, but they have to implement it to every frame of every. Shot of every scene. They have to change his mouth, how he moves, like, and they have to finish the movie. Right. They have a lot to
1: mm-hmm. do. And there's a chance they gotta redo some scenes entirely or cut out some scenes entirely if the actors are looking at a different spot of the frame than where the new Sonic's head is. You know, little things like that yeah. look awful if you don't fix
0: them. I don't think a lot of people understand how difficult this is going to be for these mm-hmm. post-production people.
1: Even just rendering these frames once you finally create the character can take days for a computer like high end, strong computer to do like, this is a lot of taxing time consuming work. And at the end of the day, that's really what you're paying for with CGI is the amount of time it takes to get it right. Yeah. And paying their animators to do it. It adds up quick.
2: Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens here. Moving on to another big winter release, not for this year, but for years coming up in the future, Disney, kind of set the record straight on its future slate they kind of dated a bunch of movies for the 2025s and beyond and the big things we learned is their christmas tent poles from 2021 to about 2026 2027 we now know that the avatar sequels will be alternating with star wars films pretty much every year in the christmas time area And that starts with Avatar 2, which has been moved back for about the fourth or fifth time in its history to 2021. (laughs) So Avatar 2 in 2021, a unknown Star Wars movie. I'm assuming that's probably going to be Ryan Johnson's trilogy. I think he's ahead of the Game of Thrones creators trilogy, at least. I mean, I don't know for sure, but that's what I'm assuming is going to be that 2022 starting point right there. And then we'll go Avatar 3, a Star Wars movie, Avatar 4, a Star Wars movie, and then Avatar 5, because we'll definitely make it there.
0: <laughs> so so what is it? It's four to five years of Star Wars and Avatar alternating every December?
1: Yeah,
2: pretty much every Christmas. So if
0: every movie studio that isn't Disney just crapped themselves for the next five years. What the hell do we do now?
2: <laughs> We've known that for a while, though, too, because also think about... They like to have Marvel movies at the beginning of November, and they're all over summer. Like, the entire industry is screwed, basically. Yeah,
0: Mickey Mouse is... <laughs> somewhere like whittling his fingers and no,
1: he's hanging out with Scrooge McDuck in the giant safe of money. Yeah, living. all in the coins and everything. Yeah, yeah. which always
2: <laughs> looked like it hurt, by the way. But what can you do? Um, so again, Avatar pushback once again. We kind of have discussed Avatar 2 in the past already, so we don't want to go too much into it. This is kind of going to be a brief one. But is there something technologically about Avatar 2 that will make all of this worth it? You know, how Avatar 1 kind of revolutionized the 3D game. What does Avatar 2 need to do to be worth this delay?
1: Watch it be a total curveball, like a choose-your-own-adventure story put to theaters. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody will know until you get it in there. Right. We'll see you back in two years. But, like, instead of 3D glasses, you get, like, choice (laughs) glasses where you pick right or left. No (laughs) ending is the same.
2: I hope they just give everybody, like, they, they mess with everyone. They hand them those scratch and sniff cards walking in. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> this smells like Navi. <laughs> mm-hmm. At 32 minutes in, scratch this part of your card. <laughs> yeah,
2: and it's just a, one again one of those tail sex scenes, and it smells gross. Anyway, oh, we man. took we took that way too far. I took it too you far. took that it's too wee. far. <laughs> it's not a way for the second time
1: that we brought Avatar up. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I think age just got a thing
2: for blue people. I don't know. It's the most memorable thing about Avatar, which says something about Avatar the movie. I Aren't think, you also
0: weirdly opinion. attracted to Nebula or something like that?
2: What? This <laughs> is making stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> I know you like blue people. Watch out, Genie. Know. Hey, Nate, I think he finally <laughs> found my Tumblr. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's the technological thing that I've heard thrown out. What if Avatar 2 is a 3D movie where you don't need to wear 3D glasses?
0: I will go mm. see it, but you're not going to convince me that it's good.
1: I don't even know what that would look like. Would that wouldn't that just be blurry if you're? looking at the wrong parts of the screen, which has always been my complaint about 3D to begin with. I don't know how it would work. I didn't get that far. But I have heard people mention (laughs) that. (laughs) We are going to make a 3D screen that literally juts out of the wall for you somehow. This is where someone more clever would be like, but that's just a play. (laughs)
0: <laughs> James Cameron at 75 is going to do it again.
1: Uh, let's ship out all the actors out to each individual theater and they'll play it out in right, real they're, time. There's one screening a week.
2: <laughs> Honestly, what the hell else is Sam Worthington doing? Sure. <laughs> uh, well, this was barely a conversation, so let's move on. Yeah, we just
0: established that this is... Crazy, and no other movie studio is going to know what to
2: do with themselves. It's happening, Jake. You kind of provide me with a nice segue though, because Disney has been dominating the markets and stuff. And let's talk about a Warner Brothers movie here that is dominating a genre. Remember a couple of years ago when it lit the world on fire? It was actually the first ever episode of the Middle Seats podcast. We talked about the original It, if you guys remember, way back in the time machine where I sounded like I was underwater. And Nate yelled at me several (laughs) days after that. Uh, Ah, growing pains. Good times, good times. But it's been two years since the original It, which means the middle seats is almost two years old. Whoa. And I bet we'll be celebrating this September with It Chapter 2. Let's take a look at the trailer.
1: I used to live here. Is it like you remember? Cleaner. Strange. But you know what they say about dairy.
0: No one who dies here ever really dies. What about you? Are you still his little girl, Beverly?
1: Are you? This me of the Losers Club has officially begun. Hello. It
2: Chapter Two is directed once again by Andy Musietti, who, before the original It, was best known for the horror movie Mama, starring Jessica Chastain, a really underrated horror movie, by the way. Chastain is in this movie; um, she plays the older version of Beverly. We've got a brand new adult cast playing the older version of the Losers Club: James McAvoy, Bill Hader, two of the other actors that are embodying some of the big characters of the rest of the Losers Club. Of course, Bill Skarsgård is returning as Pennywise, and then the kids from the original cast are going to be returning in some kind of flashback form. The film will be released on that first weekend of September, right in the same window as when that original It movie came out. So let's go to Jake to start this off here. I mean, we'll get to our resident scaredy cat in a minute. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I actually,
0: I thought the trailer was really, really cool and really interesting. Most, I like three quarters of it, is like one long extended scene, but it's it's effective. It's it's intense. It's creepy. As the trailer goes, it builds like a story and tension and like character work, and it's really interesting for a trailer to do that, and it's certainly gripping. I liked it. I liked the trailer a lot, and I liked the first It quite a bit too, so if there was any doubt that anyone would go see this,
2: I think it's settled. Everybody's going to go see this. All right, Nate. You're going to have to watch this trailer to edit it several times, so hopefully you're over it by now.
1: No, <laughs> yeah. in in terms of trailer structure, I do kind of dig the the single scene approach that they do here. Uh, it's not something that I think every movie should do because then we're just gonna be constantly in theaters rewatching a scene that we've already seen. So uh, this isn't something that I want to see a trend of. But I think it really works here because. We already know what it is from the last movie, so we don't need just, like, those jump scares again as a trailer. We can actually get the atmosphere and dread coming back to Derry. Really effective trailer, and I know we've talked about casting decisions on the show a couple months back, but actually seeing all these actors and actresses on the screen just reminded me how darn good this cast looks like this is a quality quality uh collection here i wouldn't have expected this out of a horror movie if you had pitched this to me two years ago and so many critically acclaimed horror movies have come out that we're going to be seeing more a-listers come down to stuff like this which hell yes because one i've been i've been waiting for this era to come i love when
0: horror movies are great two i can't wait to review them with you nate (sighs) yeah they become harder and harder to avoid (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know. I love it. Actually, I have a I have a question for you guys before Andrew gives his thoughts. What is it about old woman that horror movies make so scary? Kind of like laughing children.
2: I, I mean, you could take their clothes off like this did. That didn't no, not like Get your not,
1: mind not, out of the
0: gutter, Drew. What the <laughs> hell
2: he before this? <laughs> that's the first thing that came up to me. I don't know. <laughs>
0: like, like, there's something creepy about the old woman in the trailer. We know it's Pennywise,
1: obviously, but there's something creepy about her. There's something creepy about children. It's taking the the semblance of innocence that you get, like old Mm -hmm. granny cooking cookies and making tea, little kids just playing on playscapes or whatever it is, and then twisting around into something that terrifies you. Yeah, it's an effective thing. Right, it's such a classic formula.
2: Absolutely. Um, Let's not forget how big of a huge hit the original It was. I'm looking here, and I almost forgot how much money it made. It's crazy money. $700 million worldwide is absurd for a horror movie. It is the yeah. number 62 domestic film of all time. It is 112 all-time worldwide. It made more money than Thor Ragnarok, I think. Yeah, it made more. It did. Wow. Yeah, which is crazy. The thing that's I think is really that I love about certain trailers, especially teaser trailers, is imagine just going to the theater and you get a trailer and you have no context of what it is. And you're like, wow, what is this? And the movie, it builds and builds. If you weren't clicking on a trailer called It Chapter 2 you wouldn't know this was the original it for sure until they show that picture of the Pennywise on the wall. That's what a really good teaser trailer does. It grabs your attention and then it makes you realize like, oh no, not again. It's You get this like sense of dread. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, the trailer is creepy before that, but you don't attach it to the property until you get there. Mm-hmm. And I love that about this trailer is how it kind of is built on the strength of the tension of the scene. It doesn't show Pennywise till the very end. Mm-hmm. And I really like that. This scene, I I would assume, is probably coming in the first act of the movie. I'm assuming it's pretty early on. Yeah, I would imagine it's
0: establishing the characters kind of thing. Who they are, where they've been. Yeah,
2: exactly. And I think, as far as that goes, in reintroducing us to this world, this is a really exciting, well-executed trailer. Yeah. James McAvoy, I feel like, can act in pretty
0: much any movie and be good. Uh, But I'm curious to see him in this. Jessica Chastain is kind of the same but really, Bill Hader, this is outside of his element a little bit, but I think he's great casting for who he's going
2: to play. See, if you watched Barry, that wouldn't be true because he is like phenomenal and like a part drama and he's not going to lose all of the comedy. Like he's playing the the adult version of Finn Wolfhard's character, who is the most comedic out of all of the, the kids. Right. So he's not losing that element completely. But yes, him doing horror is definitely a step outside of his element for sure.
1: Mm hmm.
2: And I really love that we're retaining the kids too. I think that's important.
1: Yeah, I think that's important for even the financial part of this. I feel like the reason it blew up as much as it did because everyone was still on that Stranger Things high. Yeah, And just seeing kids deal with terrifying situations is just resonating with people in a way that I don't think it would have been successful 10 years ago or even 10 years in the future if that fad goes away. So it came out at just the right time to capitalize on that. And I think it's going to be important that they retain the the kids in some degree to keep that momentum going. I completely agree. I think we all agree this is a fantastic teaser. It Chapter 2,
2: September 6th, 2019. Should be very exciting. That will do it for our news segment of the show. Let's move into our main review of Detective Pikachu.
1: So you're a talking Pikachu with no memories who's addicted to caffeine.
2: I could stop whenever I want. These Are just choices. Another round.
1: Black as night, thank you, sweetie.
0: (laughs) You can talk to humans, I can talk to Pokemon. And if you want to find your pops, we're going to need each other. No, I don't need a Pokemon. What about a
1: world class detective? Harry is still alive. Case closed, but still open until I solve it. Now, obviously, I've dealt with this putz before.
2: That's a twist. That's very twisty. That was the trailer for Detective Pikachu, the first ever live-action Pokemon movie. They've made 22 animated films over the last, like, two decades, but this $150 million production is the first ever live-action iteration of the little creatures that you gotta catch all of them for. Obviously, I'm, I don't sound like the biggest fan. Oh, Lord. Yeah, he called them creatures. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. <laughs> he acts like he just saw a possum crawl out
0: from his garbage
2: or something. <laughs> what are they? They're like pocket monsters, right? That's what you would call
1: them or something? That's the full name, yes. What? Is that what Pokemon stands for? Wait a minute. Pokemon stands for pocket monsters. Oh, I had no idea. I just thought it was a cute name. Oh, no.
2: As you guys can see, <laughs> I'm gonna need a little help this time. I can tell you what the movie's about. Let's get into, let's get into that. Uh, <laughs> oh, Detective man. Pikachu is directed by Rob Letterman, who's kind of a kid's movie vet. He's done Monsters vs. Aliens. He did the Goosebumps movie with Jack Black, the first one. He did Gulliver's Travels with Jack Black, which I almost threw up a little in my mouth talking about that one. But let's get into, obviously, Detective Pikachu. Pikachu is the lead character. Ryan Reynolds of all people provides the voice to the Pikachu character he's a Pokemon with amnesia he lives in Rhyme City which is like kind of a Zootopia-esque society where Pokemons and humans live side by side
1: Pokemon it's not Pokemons there's no S it's already
2: plural oh my god (laughs) right it's like Barkha and Abdi over here in Captain (laughs) (laughs) Phillips this
1: is my podcast too we're making it right
2: (laughs) (laughs) Pikachu is the partner of Tim Goodman's father Harry who has disappeared Tim, played by Justice Smith, last seen screaming his head off in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Him and Pikachu form a partnership. They're trying to find his father and crack the case of what's going on behind the scene in Rhyme City. And then they meet a lot of colorful Pokemon and characters along the way. I'm done. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Nate, what did you think of Detective Pikachu?
1: (laughs) (laughs) He's so afraid. Oh, man. Uh, This is going to be a fun one. All right. We've talked about it briefly when we originally talked about the trailer. But yes, I am the long-term Pokemon fan, the current Pokemon fan. Still focusing on leveling up my entire living Pokedex in Ultra Sun as I will wait for Gen 8 to come out on the Nintendo Switch. I am about as far into Pokemon as you can get. He he even lost me just now.
0: <laughs> yeah, he starts talking about like, like Omega symbols and
2: hieroglyphics and, <laughs>
1: right. and like what the
2: Taurus sign means. Just please don't <laughs> pop quiz me at the end of this. <laughs>
1: If you know the original three starters, I'll be happy if you, Drew. Oh, God. Uh, uh, Oh, Jesus. I'll I'll give you time to study. So, in terms of Detective Pikachu, I was very cautiously excited just because the movie looked so bizarre. Ryan Reynolds starring live-action models that looked very true to the Pokemon designs, but did not look at all like the anime creatures they were based off of. It was a very cool mix of the two. And to top it all off, Pokemon is the highest grossing media franchise of all time. Like, period. That's insane. That beats out Marvel. That beats out Star Wars. That beats out all of the other Disney properties that we've gone on and on about for all time. Pokemon is just so far ahead of that because not only do they have The video games, they have the movies, they have the TV show, they have the action figures, the trading card games. There is just so much that goes into the Pokemon Empire. And it's actually crazy that we've waited so long to get the movie. Now, how does it stack up? The movie itself satisfied me. It didn't blow me away. It definitely is geared a lot more towards kids in a way that I feel other animated or even other kids' movies in the last couple of years have done a better job at appealing to a wider audience. I think the biggest standout for me is the Lego movie, where people our age and 20s and older and little kids can appreciate the movie for its own sense of humor and amount of jokes that it had for both audiences. Detective Pikachu is definitely scaled more towards the kids and the Older audience appeal is definitely more for references to people that grew up playing the video games and uh, may or may not be continue playing today. Um, So we'll get into more detail as we go forward, but I was hoping that it would appeal a little bit more to a broader, older audience, and it didn't quite get there. The story was kind of weak. The human characters are kind of weak, but Ryan Reynolds absolutely slayed this movie. He was perfect we get a lot of him. They definitely do not shortchange us on the amount of Pikachu time that we get, but I could have had more. He was so much fun.
2: Oh, I I expected that Jake and I would just get to give ratings and go home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jake, you are to a, like a more minor extent a pretty big Pokemon fan.
0: Yeah, I was huge into Pokemon through elementary school. I think I pretty much grew out of it around fifth, sixth grade, like once middle school hit, but I did play the original Pokemon Yellow on Game Boy. I played the Fire red and leaf green. I have all kinds of cards and action figures. I was huge into Pokemon for my young, immediate pre-puberty childhood. That being said, so the movie, we had the three of us had a teacher at Marist, and I'm gonna quote him. It was a hesitant good, as he would say, good. <laughs> of all people, well, always <laughs> <on> Detective
1: Pikachu. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: because I think about it, I feel like that's a perfect way to say something's good without being like excited about it. You know what I mean? No,
2: you're right. No, I know. It's a hesitant
0: good.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Like Nate said, it's absolutely more geared towards kids. You know, anybody older than a relatively younger kid, like anybody in their teenager years or older, is going to be going more for the, probably nostalgia factor. Like, ah, yes, they threw in Charizard. Or, you know, getting excited about the references and the other characters that they have in there and stuff like that. But as an overall movie, pretty good. It's fine. It's structured decently. It's never boring. It's entertaining throughout. It's relatively interesting. It gives a good effort to put a little, like, twisting in there, here and there. Like, keep you interested in the mystery, the murder mystery, whatever. Uh, It's not bad by any means, but it's certainly not anything great either. Uh, Because I'm I'm pretty much going to echo Nate. Ryan Reynolds did this movie a big favor. He was very good, very funny, very entertaining. Most of the laughs come from him or something he's saying or something Pikachu is doing with his voice in mind. And those are often the highlights. It's still not a bad movie. Like I wouldn't like if you like Pokemon, I'd definitely go see it. Or you know, if you got nothing else to watch, it's just not a bad movie. But lowering my my expectations, and I don't know, just a decent ride, but nothing crazy.
2: Okay, if it wasn't obvious yet, I'm the least Pokemon guy out of all of us. My mother insists that I was actually a pretty big Pokemon fan. I I don't know where this time went, or <laughs> I don't know what kid she was watching, but I don't remember that. Um. I guess I have a decent amount of the cards and stuff, but I always remember myself being more into... I'm not trying to trigger anybody on the mic, but I was always more of a Yu-Gi-Oh guy. Blasphemy. Blasphemy. I know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I I dabbled in both. I had a Yu-Gi-Oh phase. I was bigger in Pokemon, but I had a Yu-Gi-Oh
2: phase for sure. I was all about that Exodia life, son. That's all I gotta say. Nate, do you even know what
1: that means? Yes. You got all five pieces of um, ummy comes together. I'm cultured. Still like it.
2: (laughs) Okay. I guess part of me kind of assumed that Pokemon didn't die, but kind of just, like, faded away a while ago. And then I met Nate. Oh, so naive. But No, and then I met Nate, and I was like, oh, no, this is very much still a thing. And then Pokemon Go came out, and it was everywhere. Like, freaking celebrities running through Central Park looking for Pokemon, like a bunch of schizophrenics who have left the mental hospital.
0: I actually did it once. I I happened to be in the city. I put it up. People running everywhere. I turned out a Venusaur by Central Park and I joined the mob. Oh.
2: <laughs> and I think that I caused me to kind of reassess, okay, what is so popular about this? And I think it's just the unique creations of the Pokemon in general. Having said that, when Detective Pikachu focuses on Pokemon in general, pretty much in any setting, whether it's Ryan Reynolds, like you guys were saying, basically playing PG Deadpool, <laughs> leaning into the different references and stuff, all these little cameos by different characters, when the actual Pokemon that are featured pretty hardcore are stealing the show, the movie's awesome. It's really good. It has some really simple, fun kids' movie charms when it's doing that. It's much more fun when it gets really crazy, especially in the last 40 to 35 minutes. The $150 million really comes into play in that last act because they do some really cool things with the Pokemon and with the special effects, and every single one of the Pokemon look... Great. Like the effects are awesome. I agree. I was
0: I was definitely happy with
2: uh how they all looked. Even some yeah. that
0: looked might have looked a little uncertain in the trailer, I think paid off in the movie.
1: Anything with fur looked really, really good. Especially Pikachu.
0: Yeah, Pikachu looked great. Pikachu,
1: obviously, they spent most of the time in them and it paid off. Like he is adorable. I think the movie struggled a little bit more with the skin textures and some of the scales and feathers. Those looked a little too choppy, a little too cartoony for me, that it didn't really look like it was a real-life Pokémon.
2: There's one specific Pokémon that I thought, like, okay, that kind of looks a little plasticky. And I'm going to reveal what that is in spoilers, because I want, I don't want to reveal which ones are featured heavily and stuff. So everything Pokémon-wise, great. But... And I don't want to be the butt guy. Oh, that sounded weird. But... <laughs>
1: What did you watch before podcasting?
2: (laughs) That that was an accident. Um, That was a great one. (laughs) Anyway, but I don't want to make it sound like I'm going to be the high man here. I'm most certainly the low man here because I'm not connected to Pokemon characters. And for me, a lot of the times this was just kind of a blah, run-of-the-mill blockbuster. Uh, And a lot of that has to do with the story and the human characters, which we've already touched on. I never once found the central mystery even close to interesting. I found it predictable pretty much all the way through. They don't even make Pikachu and Tim work hard for these clues. Like, they're moving from piece to pieces based on, like, ridiculous plot contrivances or technology that, like, this movie's introducing just to get the story to move Uh, along. Absolutely. Mm. Exposition central. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So the actual mystery... Never, ever interesting to me. All of the human characters garbage, in my opinion. Especially Tim. He's just kind of bland and naggy for most of the movie. And I like Mm -hmm. Justice Smith as an actor, but this is two straight movies now where he's been cast like that. I really hope they don't keep doing this to him because he's really good in the show called The Get Down, which one of our friends worked on, by the way. Um, But he's really good on that Netflix show, and he just has not gotten a role that hits that kind of level. So basically, the first two-thirds of this movie just really was not working that much for me except in sporadic beats and then eventually it won me back so my rating will be more reflective of it winning me back but overall i was kind of meh on it which i didn't want to be
1: i think it's okay that you feel that way because i feel like we're all in similar boats here i don't think you need to worry about any of us smiting you with a charizard yeah or anything. yeah <laughs> um yeah i, w- I do want to talk about tim And it kind of gets to my overall gripe with the movie as a whole. It kind of just comes to what Pokemon is all about. Tim is kind of a whiny guy who doesn't want to be involved with Pokemon whatsoever. And his arc is growing with Detective Pikachu and coming to accept Pokemon as they try to solve this mystery. It just seems so counter to what makes Pokemon as a franchise so exciting, and that's Finding creatures, and catching Pokemon, and exploring the world of whatever region the game or story is based in. And if your main character isn't excited about exploring the world of Pokemon, your character's in the wrong movie. And I was really frustrated by Tim with that. I think video game movies in general struggle with, or just movie adaptations in general, because... A lot of what makes video games so appealing is being able to explore the world at your own pace. You can blow through the story or you can do side quests or you can you can find whatever appeals to you in the game. But a movie has to have a story. And especially with Pokemon, which is so much self-independent exploration, for this movie to not really feature a lot of catching and battling and exploring was kind of a shame, I think. A uh, missed opportunity.
2: Yeah, I think that kind of goes to my next point, which I I mentioned my two big criticisms. This is more of just a a little bit of a bummer that it was a missed opportunity to me, but I really felt like the actual environment of Rhyme City was underdeveloped. And by that, I kind of mean it's not really clear to me how this city works. Like in some cases, Pokemon appear to be pets, and then in other cases, they seem to be self-independent beings. Yeah, they really gloss over that. (laughs) I referenced earlier Zootopia and kind of how good of a job that movie does at setting up the economics and the social structure of the city. I just wish they were more clear about how this city worked because the villain's plan eventually is really important to understanding how Rhyme City works. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, But like, they never for me even nailed close to that. They live,
0: you know, like like codependent, like together, but not like one owns the other. But then some kind of do. I was like, if they're just going to keep going. <laughs> okay. But I was very curious. And actually, that part got me excited. When they went to the city and there was just Pokemon walking around, I was like, please spend time here. Please, yeah. I really want them to show this and allow us to experience this. This is what the fans are looking for. And we got, we got a fair enough amount. And I agree with what <laughs> you said way earlier. Whenever they focus on something specifically Pokemon-based, the movie's fun. The movie's good and the movie's fun. So I think that works for them. But as far as Rhyme City goes, I was like, please establish more, show us more Pokemon. The movie's like an hour 45. I'll take the hour 55 if it's 10 minutes exploring and explaining Rhyme City. Exactly. Yeah.
2: And I think like the the thing is for me, I would never ever say that I like outright dislike this movie, but I will say that it frustrated me because there is, there is potential here that I feel like is being left by the wayside a lot. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to Nate talking about how it's meant for kids. more. Right. More.
0: Exactly very much geared for quids. It's it's not trying to be anything complicated. Yeah.
2: So that'll that's a good segue into Nate's rating here and we'll get into our ratings and then move into our spoiler section. If you're just joining us for the first time, we've got our different ratings across the board based on the seat scale. If we think a movie is great, it has no flaws whatsoever, we give it a Royal Throne. If it's a movie with minor flaws but it's mostly great overall, we give it a plush recliner. If it's a movie with some pretty glaring flaws but it's pretty enjoyable overall, we give it a wooden seat. If it's a movie that's kind of the inverse of that, where it has a lot of flaws, but it's got a couple of good things peppered in there, we give it a damp lawn chair. And then if it's a movie with no redeemable qualities whatsoever, we give it a sleazy outhouse. And if we think it is worth seeing in a theater, either with an audience or on a big screen, we give it a
1: bag of popcorn moniker. So Nate, let's start with you. Alrighty. The one thing I just do want to add is that the people that made this movie definitely cared about Pokemon. They litter this movie with... Tons of references, like they they talk about berries, they talk about battles. Um, One of my favorite quotes from Pikachu is that he praises Arceus instead of praising God, because that's the God Pokemon. (laughs) Little little things like that to appeal to the hardcore fans like me. I, I agree with almost everything that we've said so far. The human characters are pretty weak, the Pokemon aspects are pretty strong, and the movie ends up kind of being in the middle. I think if I had to rate the story section, it would be a two out of five. If I had to rate just Ryan Reynolds' performance, the movie (laughs) would be a four out of five. Uh, So right in the middle there is a wooden seat. Uh, It met expectations, but it did not surpass them. And I'm a little bummed that it wasn't one of the two extremes. Uh, (laughs) I think this movie would have been a lot more fun if it was ridiculously bad or ridiculously good. And we're just kind of left with a, Okay, Pokemon trainer and me, satisfied. I would love to see more stuff like this. Um, I think the Pokemon designs have a lot of potential and are very well received by everybody, Uh, but just not quite enough of the good stuff for this attempt. Mm -hmm. Jake? I
0: wouldn't say bag of popcorn moniker, as good as some of the visuals are and the Pokemon do look good, I wouldn't say you necessarily need to see this in theaters. I think you'll get... You'll get the gist, and you'll get a fine experience in or out of the theater. But as far as ratings go, I'm gonna go with a solid wooden seat. Also, It's not a bad movie by any means. The story is pretty simple. Some of the human characters aren't particularly great. The Pokemon are definitely more interesting. But I think overall, I was I was thoroughly entertained throughout. I had an overall good time. I was enjoying myself. The movie flew by. Ryan Reynolds is a blast, and I I just think overall it was a, a solid movie worth the. Worth to watch. Entertaining. I don't think anybody would regret seeing it unless you just could not care less about Pokemon. Honestly, I would like to see a sequel. It, it might just be the inner child who loves Pokemon in me and seeing these Pokemon be brought to life in a decent way on the big screen, but I would see a sequel for sure.
2: Yeah. And you know what, Jake? Me too. Like, honestly, I'm I'm not even trying to be like... Sarcastic? No. Yeah, exactly. No, I actually... <laughs> I There was enough here that worked for me that I'm excited to potentially see a sequel. This is going to sound like a backhanded compliment and I really don't mean it this way. This is the best video game movie I've ever made. It is. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. But like it's still like teetering in between Damp Launcher and Wooden Seat for me, which really says something about <laughs> video game movies in general. When this movie works it really does and we'll get into those moments that are awesome in the spoiler section. But there's just an, too much that kind of left me feeling blah and kind of disconnected at points to really give it a full recommendation i don't think it needs the bag of popcorn i agree i don't my audience wasn't vocal enough to kind of you know make it feel like a pokemon crowd experience if you go to like a pokemon fan screening i guess if you're like me you shouldn't be there but <laughs> like if, <laughs> if you're nate yeah. or jake you might have a great time with it uh otherwise i think you can rent this and be fun with that and see like damp lawn chair sounds too harsh for how i feel and The rating I wrote down makes no sense. I wrote a damp chair, and you have to watch this movie or a wooden seat and you have to watch the Yu-Gi-Oh! movie instead. I don't know what that means. <laughs> what?
0: Wait, I don't know. Was that after a couple of drinks, a hard day? What was no, that? No, I
2: like, got home and that was the first thing I wrote down. I think I get what you mean, but I couldn't explain it either. I'm going to live by my Paddington 2 motto and be kind and polite so the world will be right. <laughs> I'm going to give it a wooden
0: seat. Uh, so me and Nate are like high-end wooden seats or a low-end wooden seat.
2: Yeah, I I'm a very low, very the lowest end wooden seat possible. Still giving it a wooden seat. That'll do it for our non-spoiler review of Detective Pikachu. We've probably got a decent amount of say to say in the spoiler section. It's not a lot plot-wise to spoil in this one, but a lot of fun stuff that we want to get into. If you have not seen Detective Pikachu, do not join us. Join us at the end of the show. If you have seen it, come with us. Whoa! Oh, spoiler alert.
0: SPOILER! SPOILER! Excuse me, spoiler alert! Alright, so to talk about some Pokémon in the Pokémon movie, I don't know that I had a specific favorite in this one, but I was happy to see certain ones in there. But as a kid, I loved Gengar. There's something about Gengar that was just really cool and really interesting and really fun. A ghost type. He's, he's fighting Blastoise in the movie, which I thought was also really cool. And I was very happy to see him in here. The little kid in me was like, Ah, yes, they brought in Gengar. <laughs> I was very, very happy to see that. Likewise, I was toward the end of that whole scene where they're in the cage battle thing, the magic carp to Gyarados, I was like I was very happy
1: to see. I thought that was really cool. That was I was happy fun. to see that.
2: Magic carp
1: to <laughs> Yeah, the fish to the giant sea serpent. Oh yes, group. that was cool. Yeah. I love that that was played off as a joke at first, and then they actually just followed through with it. Yeah, because the <laughs> joke was really funny, cool. and then
0: seeing
2: it on screen was like, "Oh, nice." Okay. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. that was freaking cool. That was awesome. That was really fun. Ugh. Guys, I think I'm in love. <laughs> I, I think spiritually, I'm a side duck. I knew you were gonna go there. I feel like a born again Christian, but about side ducks. <laughs> Massage my feet, or I'll explode. He's, he's literally an ato- he's a walking atomic bomb. He's like, Dr. Manhattan from Watchmen, only a duck. Oh, <laughs> uh, he's fun. Yeah. My favorite scene in the entire movie is when he f- out of the Greninjas takes them, wipes them off the map
1: just by like freaking out. Oh, <laughs> like, uh, that was cool. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. We brought up Pikachu before even taking out the Ryan Reynolds part. He's just animated so well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks like a, a real thing. Adorable as all heck. Right. He looks amazing,
2: and his power set, when they finally let him use it, is awesome.
1: Yeah. Other shout-outs Pokemon-wise, the inclusion of Ditto Yo. was really yeah. crazy. They used that character great. Yeah, that was clever. That's something that does not really appear in the games or the shows ever, is a Ditto impersonating another person. But really, really cool. See, I think that was the one plot twist that I did not see coming and looking back at how weird some of the human characters were acting earlier in the in the movie made a lot more sense because it was a emotionless ditto
0: really really When watching this movie I went good that's the effort that I was hoping to see
2: yeah even as a non-pokemon fan I also know I mean you know everything about you know Charizard's awesome and they use him really well but I mean I love what they did with Mewtwo here because I've always had the idea in my head that Mewtwo's kind of a villainous Pokemon, and they completely subvert that by the end of it. I thought that was a really clever thing to do there.
1: Yeah, and if you want to be fun with it, technically this Mewtwo's canon with the original Pokemon movie and the sequels that have come out since. There was a made-to-TV movie where Mewtwo was the good guy trying to save other Pokemon, and this is totally in line with that and with the original games. He's kind of like an anti-hero then. Yes. Interesting. Interesting. I was pleasantly surprised with the variety of Pokemon we got and not even just the quantity of designs. I think interviews said that they made like between 60 to 80 unique Pokemon for this, which is a good chunk to animate. Yeah. And I never really felt it got stale. Uh, There was always a new Pokemon to look at in the background without completely overwhelming you. And a lot of non Gen 1 Pokemon in there. Like, you had a lot of extras aside from the 151 that's appealing to the nostalgia aspect of this movie. You definitely got the sense that they were appealing to newer fans that are just getting its Pokemon now. Right,
0: like a good balance. Mm-hmm.
1: Very, very good balance. Um, so I was very pleasantly surprised. You know what
0: my favorite gloss over moment, like, just kind of in passing, was when they first get to Rhyme City and they're kind of establishing what it's like. Um, Machamp is directing traffic around Snorlax who's <laughs> sleeping in the middle yeah. of the road. Awesome.
2: I'm a big Snorlax mm. guy, so I noticed that immediately.
0: Like, some kids were <laughs> chuckling, and I was probably laughing harder than anybody else in the theater watching Machamp direct traffic
2: around a Snorlax in the middle of the road. I, w- I just <laughs> thought that was so funny. Who was the Pokemon that was, like, serving drinks at the bar? Black as night, and he just goes, <laughs> Like, that's ludicrous. <Yeah>. That's <laughs> that's <laughs> that.
1: <laughs> I watched that part of it on a loop in the trailer. To make myself His laugh.
2: sound effect is very funny.
1: Yeah, very good stuff. Uh, Do we want to turn into negatives? Yeah, we should talk about the humans because
2: we've had too much fun here. Or the the big twist at the end, no? What a stupid plan. (laughs) Just (laughs) such a dumb, like, so the whole idea is that Bill Nye's character, by the way, like, by the time we saw he was crippled, I'm like, well, okay, he's the bad guy. Like, when is a crippled guy a good guy in these (laughs) movies, like, ever? Besides Professor X. Right, that Um, was my only one. (laughs) Right, he wants to merge Pokemons and humans together as kind of like, oh, they evolve, but, like, we can't evolve. He can just do this for himself. Why does he, like, need to involve the entire city in this? I just don't understand. Like, he doesn't – they doesn't give any of the humans a choice. And he has the same plan as the Joker from the 1989 Batman.
1: Like, And he, <laughs> it's very clear that the little headset thing is what lets him link with Mewtwo. But then he leaves uh, Tim Goodman's character in the room to just be able to take it off. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it was it was a silly plan and it kind of came out of nowhere because we were just kind of told that, oh, Mewtwo has the ability to merge humans and Pokemon souls, even though we never see that outright. They just kind of said, oh, yeah, Mewtwo can do this. Yeah. Guess what? We're going to have Mewtwo do now.
0: Yeah. I I thought it was it was mildly interesting, like his philosophy. Pokemon can evolve themselves, so we should be able to, too. Right. Okay.
2: Mm -hmm. But then in execution, I was like, "Mm, no. If they had kept it more personal, like he is just greedy and wants this for himself, I think it actually would have worked better. But like, don't get other people involved in your nonsense. Yeah, like, nonsense. Is why a good does word. the whole city have
1: to be in on this? It, it was very odd. Very odd. As as cool as Mewtwo is as a Pokemon, as a character in this movie, I found him so cringy every time he talked. And I was kind of annoyed that he moved his mouth when he talked because he has telepathy. He doesn't need to. Yeah. But he sounded so preachy. The father and the son shall be reunited. And I'm like, calm down. You're a Pokemon. You're a big purple psychic cat. You're not Jesus. (laughs) Tone down the... I mean, they treated him like Jesus. He brought Pikachu back from the dead. Yeah, like... (laughs) As much as I love Pokemon,
2: it it was a little overkill. Since we're on that Mewtwo healing Pikachu part, close an arc of this review. Bulbasaur was the only Pokemon that I thought kind of looked iffy. Like, they
1: looked kind of shiny and weird. Like, the effects weren't done. Mm -hmm. That was the only one I had issues with. He's supposed to be a frog, like a mix between a frog and a dinosaur. So I can see him looking a little shiny if they wanted to go for that. But I I agree. I said at the beginning, I think all the Pokemon with just regular skin look a little too plasticky.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's more of a nitpick than anything. It really didn't detract. Exactly. But I was kinda, yeah. It
2: was like them standing next to Pikachu didn't do them any favors. So. <laughs> Can we talk about terrible journalism in movies? Ugh, yep. <laughs> this girl, Catherine Newton, I like her as an actress. I think she has a, a bright future. I think she was doing the absolute best she could with this character, but this character makes no sense. She's like an intern or like a fluff journalist and she just happened to have stumbled upon this like huge story and like, doesn't actually do any of the legwork until Tim comes to them. You suck. You fell backwards into a promotion.
1: She's yeah. the April
2: O'Neil of these movies. Like, ditto.
0: She, I, I think she's going to do well career-wise. Like, she's very good in Big Little Lies, and I've seen her in something else that she was good in. But I think her character is just not really written well at all
2: here. All right, I'm going to put my foot down as the host. we got to start wrapping up soon. Well, we,
0: all, we also didn't talk about a major plot point, his dad being...
2: yeah which I thought was kind of obvious.
0: Uh, I wasn't sure if I was smart or not because I was surrounded by younger kids who all gasped at the same time when it was revealed. Yeah, literally. like <laughs> Jake
2: turns around and looks at them. You idiots.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it took you this long? I, I put it together when Pikachu has the emotional sit-down talk of, I'm sure your dad would give you a big hug right now if he was here. And then I was like, that's pretty specific. And why is it that nobody... Else is able to communicate with Pokemon and your dad's missing. He's
2: inside you somehow. (laughs) I just don't know how, but he's in there. It's that scene from the Mark Wahlberg comedy where he goes like why why the f would he say that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. What Ted? Is that Ted?
1: Yeah. 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 It's basically that. It's actually really funny reading a lot of like the Twitter and Reddit reactions to that scene because a lot of people didn't expect the dad to still be played by Ryan Reynolds after he got out of the Pikachu. I actually wasn't sure. Well, what were you expecting? <laughs> well,
0: I wasn't sure because I was like, "Are is Ryan Reynolds strictly voiceover? Because they're going to have to change the dad's voice, like, mm. significantly. Unless that's just how Pikachu portrays the dad's voice. Like, I really wasn't sure what to expect there.
1: As soon as we had our second shot where the dad's face was masked, I knew it was going to be Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Fun twist, but it wasn't a particularly shocking twist. The fact that their faces kept getting like
2: blurred and stuff. How many times did they use that like technology where it's like, oh, we can recreate the crime scene except for all the information that's actually important? Like, yeah, yeah, very <laughs> convenient when they need it. So there were two things. One, it's like, okay, this technology is just to get them from plot point to plot point. Two, there's clearly information being withheld. So Bill Nye's the yeah. villain. Like he is not telling them very specific things. Just, it was stupid. A stupid plot device.
1: Yeah, and we we talked about it briefly, but again, the exposition is kind of off the charts for everything plot related. (laughs) That's kind of the fun thing about a a mystery movie is that you can have your detectives like analyze it Sherlock Holmes style. And then you can have a flashback scene where you're like recreating the scene in your head or whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't know why they needed to focus on hologram technology as its exposition. All right, guys, let's start to get into our final thoughts here. So we're going to pivot over to you,
2: Jake. Last word here on Detective Pikachu. The
0: movie's at its high when
2: it's focusing
0: on Pokemon, Pokemon details, Pokemon characteristics, anything Pokemon-centered. The movie actually does succeed pretty well, and I wasn't sure about that going in. But it succeeds. It brings in a lot of Pokemon that people would want to see, but it definitely needed better human characters. A story that wasn't so predictable. I'm not going to bash it too much because it was so fun it was still entertaining it wasn't a bad movie and i think it's worth the watch truthfully I think it was a solid movie
1: mate i was hoping for something ridiculous and it ended up just being okay and it's a decent start if pokemon wants to continue a live action franchise there's definitely the potential there everything that they do with pokemon absolutely makes the movie worth it it's just the human elements and the plot elements that need a lot of work when they get around to sequel time. I just want to just give a big old hug and shout out to Ryan Reynolds, who was absolutely hilarious the whole way through the best scene in the movie by far is him sadly singing the Pokemon theme song on that bridge. <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was so good. hands down. And I doubt we will see Ryan Reynolds again in future movies, just because his dad's not a Pokemon anymore. What do you want? I think it's overall a good thing just to keep expanding the rest of the world. Uh, my, right. I don't need to see Justice Smith again either. Like, Yeah, I don't need to see any of these characters again, or even the city. I just want to see more and more Pokemon. Maybe we'll get Chris Pratt as a Charmander. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever floats your boat. Danny DeVito as a Snorlax, calling it. <laughs> yeah, so Warrior Brothers, uh, Nintendo, whoever wants to wants to take this on. My personal pitch, if you want to take something straight from the games, take the plot from Pokemon Black and White. That's solid stuff there. Or just make a whole new region and whole new characters and let's catch Pokemon. Let's battle with Pokemon. Let's explore a brand new world. I think that's its strengths and that was the best part of this movie.
2: Basically, just to boil it down, Pokemon stuff, good. Human character stuff, bad. Story, forgettable. Overall movie, kind of iffy. If I saw it on basic television again, I'd watch it, but as not not a huge Pokemon fan, I don't know if I'll ever truly invest in this again. We'll see decent movie nothing special let's move on through this great summer of 2019 that will do it for our review of detective pikachu before we put this show away in our pokeballs i don't know if that made any sense but it's fine i'll allow it (laughs) go
1: ahead where can they find us on the internet all righty here's how you can get in touch with us please like comment and subscribe to our youtube channel the middle seats you can also listen to us on the go on all your podcast platforms, including SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. For questions, comments, and updates on the show, keep an eye on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at The Middle Seats. And if you like what you hear and you want to see more content, let us know and spread the word. Like we
2: said, it's a busy summer here. Uh, we get a lot of movies to talk about next time around. Stick with us here over the next couple of weeks. should be a fun time. That'll do it here for this week's episode of the Middle Seats Podcast for Nate Longarini and for Jake Hensler. I'm Andrew O'Jay. Keep that seat warm, everyone. We'll be back soon.